eyes. <laughs> he has an X-shaped belly button, and he has a heart-shaped bottom. I think he has a heart-shaped bottom. Yeah, he's his. Doesn't I he? I think I remember that. They look a little vacant to me. Just a little bit vacant. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't remember his egg belly button. I think I remembered it for egg That's shape. That's too small. I would say three heart shaped bottom. You both say three. Yeah. Well, actually, all three of them are correct. Really? Oh, I'm sorry what I said about your eyes, buddy. Oh, so, there's the belly button. Let's start off with charming eyes is number one. He's got an X shaped belly button, which oh, is wow. attractive, it says. <laughs> <laughs> he also has. Uh, an eye-catching letter T representing the Taiwan uh, Tourism Bureau. He has a good-looking yet playful X for the belly button. He has an orange cape, which is his favorite color, and the, my favorite one. <laughs> heart-shaped bottom. It says a heart-shaped bottom representing my overflowing love for Taiwan. <laughs> What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? After a year of closure for renovations, the National Museum of Taiwan History is back. And what a year it was, filled with border closures, lockdowns, and quarantine measures keeping people around the world apart. Even in Taiwan, so far spared the worst of COVID-19, social distancing is in force. The mass isolation of the past year is the inspiration for one of the museum's first comeback exhibitions this year, an examination of isolation, both physical and metaphorical, through Taiwan's history. The exhibit features five case studies of people being cut off, the last in particular, an examination of how the physically and mentally ill were once placed in special facilities, is particularly timely. Joining me today for a look at isolation in Taiwan's past is museum curator Shi Wencheng. We begin with stories of islands governed today from Taiwan, but worlds apart from it. When people say that Taiwan's an island nation, they often forget that this means many more islands than just Taiwan proper. For our first story, we head far off to the northwest, to the Mazu Islands, a chain that in places is just kilometers from the Chinese coast. To get there from Taiwan, you have to fly or sail, and administratively, the islands are one of the only patches of Taiwan-governed territory not considered part of Taiwan province itself. These islands' early story is not the story of Taiwan at all. The people here speak the language of the Chinese coast, just a short distance away, not the Hokkien or Hakka of Taiwan. And the islanders were never subjected to the foreign colonization that Taiwan underwent. If they looked anywhere beyond their own shores, it would have been to the big cities of coastal China, like Fuzhou, just a short ferry trip away. The island's association with far-off Taiwan is a product of the Chinese Civil War. In 1949, the retreating government lost all its territory on the mainland to Chinese communists. All that was left was Taiwan and a few other small island toeholds, places like Mazu. Two of these tiny island toeholds, Mazu and Jinmen, were within sight of the communist-held mainland. They became heavily fortified as frontline bases to stop any further communist advance towards Taiwan. Curfews and other restrictions became a way of life. Access to the sea was restricted, and the island's fishing folk could only fish at certain times. You couldn't own a radio or a camera, and even the currency was different and unusable on Taiwan proper. 
Most importantly for our story is the isolation that emerged from all of this. The Mansu Islands were completely shut off from the outside world. Obviously, the communist-held coast so close by was now off-limits, but so too was travel to and from Taiwan. For many decades, all the way till 1992, the only outsiders allowed in were military personnel, and civilians on the islands could only leave with a special pass. This decades-long status as a frontline military outpost continues to have an impact today. People from the islands who have moved to Taiwan for work or study have tended to stick together, forming tight-knit groups that you might mistake for immigrant groups in a foreign land. And cut off for as long as they were from both nearby China and Taiwan, people on the islands developed their own identity. Mr. Shi shares this anecdote about a Mazu native who visited this exhibit, brought by a son. At first, he was reluctant to come. I'm from Mazu. I'm not Taiwanese, he said. What's Taiwanese history got to do with me? But he changed his tune after seeing that Mazu's history was represented in this exhibit. It just goes to show how far apart these two places still are, Mazu and Taiwan, even though they're part of the same nation. Our next story is another island, Orchid Island, this time on the opposite side, out in the Pacific, just off Taiwan's southeast coast. That's not a name that the local people gave to the island. These are the Dao people. They're the only Taiwanese indigenous group that doesn't live on Taiwan itself. To them, this island was always just Pongsonu Dao, which just means the island of the Dao, or the island of the people. This island's modern history is more wrapped up with Taiwan's than Mazu. But the native language is linked to the far north of the Philippines, not Taiwan, and the island spent decades just as cut off as Mazu. From the end of World War II until 1967, this island was also off-limits, under a scheme which restricted access to certain indigenous lands. In the meantime, though, some outsiders of the most unsavory type were allowed in, and they were plentiful. That's because starting in 1958, Taiwan's military established a penal colony here, where serious criminals were sent to work on a prison farm. This prison farm existed until 1989. For the Dao people, this island was home. But for the outsider government, this was an offshore island, where whatever Taiwan proper found undesirable could just be dumped. This meant dangerous substances as well as dangerous people. Controversially, Orchid Island was made a nuclear waste storage site in 1982. The remaining three case studies the exhibit looks at are on Taiwan proper, but they might as well be cut off in their own worlds. Even on Taiwan itself, the exhibit tells us, there are metaphorical islands, ignored, forgotten, or just cut off from the mainstream. The first is Dapulin, an old coastal community in Kaohsiung down south that was literally surrounded by heavy industry after a government requisition of land during the 1960s. Huge power plants and factories sprouted up around the town of 20,000 or so, stranding them in the midst of around 900 smokestacks. Talks about moving the entire community elsewhere went on for a long time, and the exhibit takes a critical look at the government's treatment of this environmentally isolated spot. From there, we move to the outskirts of Taipei, to a community of people who set up shop on an island in the middle of an urban river. This was technically government land, 
but perhaps because it was first settled by veterans, no one paid this community of what were effectively squatters much attention. A flood in 1963 sent many of the original veterans packing, but new arrivals from southern Taiwan looking for work in Taipei took their place, turning this place, called the Daguan community, into a thriving one. In recent years, though, urban renewal and surveys of government land use caught up with the community. The people were ordered to leave, and after losing lawsuits, they were finally forced out for good, and the entire place was torn down in 2019. The inhabitants were given government compensation, but they scattered, and a community was lost. Finally, there's a history of medical isolation and commitment in madhouses to consider. Whether it was leprosy or mental illness, earlier governments on Taiwan could only ever lock people up. More modern and scientific treatments had yet to arrive. The most intriguing episode in this history began, though, in the 1970s, when people started sending mentally ill relatives to a reputed holy man in the Kaohsiung area. This was the start of an unorthodox and infamous mental facility called Long Fa Tang. Long Fa Tang is a name that's since become the Taiwanese equivalent of Bedlam, a universal shorthand for a place where mentally ill people go. This seems to have been a thoroughly unpleasant place, and it only seems to have been, what the press calls liberated, back in 2018. There are notes and profiles done by a doctor who was allowed to inspect the site in the 1980s included in this display. This section of the exhibit also looks at more recent cases of medical isolation, during the SARS outbreak of 2003 and the current COVID-19 crisis. The exhibit asks us what it means to isolate someone in quarantine. From this section, we can see that clearly, a modern, scientific, and more humane approach to illness has seen greater effectiveness in fighting disease. But as we've seen this past year, even the most modern of approaches can still leave people isolated from one another. Mr. Shu says the purpose of this exhibit is to challenge people's perceptions of what Taiwan is and get them to think about it in a way that's less focused on the mainstream of society on the main island alone. The exhibit aims to get people to see that Taiwan is not an island nation, but an archipelago nation with many islands that should all be accepted, literal and metaphorical alike. The exhibit hopes to create a more open vision of what Taiwan is and ought to be. Islands in Between, Thousand Faces of Taiwan runs at the National Museum of Taiwan History through June 6th. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. It's been said before that every stretch of shoreline in Taiwan sounds completely different. But I'm dubious. I mean, come on. Isn't it all just waves and sand? How truly different can it be? I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we're going to see for ourselves by going on a sound tour down four very different stretches of coastline. An Ear to the Ground. Our adventure begins on a little sandy beach in northeastern Taiwan, right in New Taipei City. That's where I live. Although this little town, Shimen, or Rock Gate, is about an hour from my place. It pretty much sounds like waves on a beach, if you ask me. The ocean is pretty calm here because we're nestled inside a cove. To get to this little beach, you have to cut through a natural arch-shaped rock formation. 
It's that rock gate which gives the town its name. Now, I love this sound, don't get me wrong. It's the sound of water lapping at the shore. But I can't imagine that the rest of the beaches in Taiwan are going to sound much different. I couldn't have been more wrong. This is the sound of a very windy day at Qixingtan, or literally Seven Stars Pool. It's not really a pool, it's actually a very wide open bay that looks directly out onto the Pacific. Here in Hualien County, which is known for its marble cliffs, you get a striking view of towering mountains in the distance gazing majestically at the raging sea below. And you can hear the wind whipping up the spray and ravenous waves devouring a very different sort of beach. This one is made of pebbles, and the difference is audible. Now we're on the western coast, almost all the way down to the southernmost tip of Taiwan, about as far away from Taipei as you can get without leaving the island. Here at Ho Wan, or Back Bay, there's no sand and no pebbles. It's all coral rock formations. The craggy shore is dotted with little pools of water, which on a hot day will dry up, leaving a thin white film of salt crystals in the baking sun. There's no sun today though, it's overcast, the clouds furrowed, the wind whipping the waves into a frenzy. We gaze out at the massive moving panorama of foamy swells lashing at charcoal rocks. We stand just out of reach of the traumatic scene unfolding before our eyes. And this, this is the most precious stretch of ocean, the only remaining unadulterated shore in Taiwan. It's the site of an ancient trail called Alangi, and when you drive up here from the southernmost tip of the island, the paved road turns into a rocky path and then stops abruptly at the base of a cliff. The only way to experience this stretch of coastline is on foot. In fact, it's the only shoreline in Taiwan that you can't drive along. Here, the waves sound very different from all the other spots. The shore is covered with rocks the size of a fist, and the waves push them up higher on the shore with each attack. And then, when the water is sucked back into the ocean, it sweeps the rocks back down with it, forming a thunderous cascade. Now, it's difficult to hear over the gusting wind and surf, but my friend can actually feel the massive shifting of rocks. It's so strange, he says, you can feel the sound vibrating through the earth. I'm chastened by how different the waves sound on each of Taiwan's shorelines, especially this shoreline, which you can hear with your feet. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. This is Radio Taiwan International.
everyone pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu, and this is Andrew Ryan. Oh my, the month just passed by so fast, and we're at almost the end. I can't believe it's almost February. I know. How do these things happen to good people? You know, it's just a blink <laughs> of an eye, right? Blink of an eye, right? So always enjoy being with you in the studio, Ellen Chu. You do. I do. Okay, I am like the. Fire that comes along、mm-hmm. in the winter cold. That is right. That is. <laughs> it right. can burn you and it can warm you. Oh, Ellen Chu, are you not going to burn me? Are you? No, of now, course not. Now I'm so worried. All right, but you know, to start the show, of course, you know, we're saying that you know, looking at the Chinese almanac, spring begins. You know, technically, it doesn't begin until next Wednesday, February third. Okay. So, but it's close to being it's here. It's close to being here, but you know, this year it's just like very. Dramatic winter. Dramatic winter. Dramatic. It's like sunny two days, and then it drops down to like four or five degrees. So this is one of the most important periods of the year on the Chinese almanac, and actually for Chinese medicine, right?、Ooh. You have to prepare your body for. The coming spring and summer. I think so. And I, I think usually it's in spring and fall when people start to get colds and like get sick and stuff because、right. the weather is changing. Right. Every you know seasonal change, people's bodies start to do these readjustment. You know, and then you just kind of like if you're not ready for the readjustment, then you get sick. That's right. In today's show, we're going to actually be featuring some of the、uh, ingredients, some of the stimulating spices that、uh, you can use to get your body ready to、mm-hmm. face the spring. For、garlic. you, I was going to ask you, what yes, is your favorite?、Garlic. You love garlic, don't I you? I love garlic. I could eat it raw. I could eat it fried. <laughs> I could eat it. Baked. I can eat it stir fry any way you like. Do you remember that one time when we had preserved、um, garlic?、Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was、uh, we call it tang suan, right? Yeah, that, that was, was yummy, powerful. And if you guys don't like the spiciness in the raw garlic, you should have the sugared one, the pickled one.、Ooh. Oh, those are good, yummy. But you have to be careful with that. If you put it in your fridge, your entire fridge is going to smell like garlic for、really? like forever. Forever?、It's, yeah, you'd have to throw your fridge away. Okay, it's done. Do you remember when I bought it? I bought it at、uh, Nanmen、uh-huh. Market, and the woman's. I asked if she had tang suan. She said yes, and she said, "Hold on a second." And she walked out the front door of the building down. Into the side of the building, and they、mm-hmm. had this big trash can, and she reached in there. That's where they kept it. Oh my goodness! They couldn't、why? even keep it inside the building. So the thing is, she probably get complaints from her neighbors, right? Yeah, so yeah. she needed to put it far away and shut it. That's right. right? Shut it down.、Mm-hmm. So let's、uh, start today's show by looking at what's on our menu. All right. Today's menu in our first course, it looks. At why we eat spring onions during Li Chun, the start of spring on February third this year. In our second course, I'm going to be heading into the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen to create a stimulating seasonal dish called a spring plate to wake up our bodies. Ooh! And third and final course, we'll be sampling that food right here in our studio, and we'll also tell you why you might not want to eat too much of the dish. That's right. 
All right, we're going to start off with a song. And all the songs in today's show are about waking up because we're going to wake up our bodies. So are you going to play like, wake me up before you go, go? Uh, I didn't, but I could. Yeah, I think you should. (laughs) That is the song to wake everybody up. That's very 1983 of you. (laughs) Well, you know, it was my childhood song. Oh, yeah, this is true. My my childhood, too. Uh, I'm not going to fool anyone with that. Right. So this song is called... Uh-huh. which means to wake up naturally mm-hmm. and it's by Stella V okay so let's have a little listen to that song when we come back in our first course we're going to tell you all about Li Chun the beginning of spring Alrighty. Yes. So our first course, we're going to tell everyone, well, you know, if everyone has been following us, they know it's the beginning of the spring, right? That is right on the Chinese Farmer's Almanac. It's called Li Chun. Right. So, of course, this is like the opening of a show. Yes. So in the beginning... When the curtains are up, everything <laughs> is coming alive, okay, on stage. So all the grass are growing and all the farmers, they're trying to, you know, put in their seeds and, you know, do all the work. Mm, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I tell you, it doesn't feel like spring to me. It doesn't. Mm. You know, one of a few of our foreign teachers in my after school program, right, mm. they came up to me the other day and said that, 
why don't you have heater here? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, it's so cold and you only have air con, you don't have heater here. And I'm like, you know, it's rarely that cold in Taiwan. Uh, you know, it, even with local Taiwanese, they can tell you that nobody has like heater mm, in their house, right? So we actually have somebody in the studio who's uh, joined us now, Stash Butler. Hello, he's, everyone. Hi. Hi. Uh, he's our, our new um, co-worker here at RTI. Okay. Now, do you feel like it's cold in Taiwan? I mean, I know you're from the UK originally. Yeah, I mean, I, I insisted for as long as I could that it wasn't cold. <laughs> that was my position. I was like, no, this isn't cold. This is just people overreacting. This is a perfectly normal temperature. Okay. And then the past kind of, you know, when it really got quite cold, then I was like, okay, actually, it's really cold. Oh, <laughs> my. Even somebody from UK <laughs> think yeah. it's cold? I know. Who would oh. have thought? Wow. Or is your body already adjusted to Taiwan temperature environment already because you've been here for a year already yeah i think i think it has adjusted a bit but i also think i think the main difference is is being indoors where there's just when there's no heating you know okay. i think that's what's weird it's because if you're in the uk you're in the northern hemisphere most of the time you know you're just kind of you're cold outside but then you come inside and you're it's fine everywhere yeah, yeah. is warm right you, you return your body to like a normal like warm temperature yeah. before you have to face the elements again exactly so, so after this year i think you know people are gonna start purchasing like heaters <laughs> right well i don't know if it's permanent though remember that one year that w when it snowed yeah and then it like wasn't that bad until like this year right even that year when it was snowing i think it wasn't that cold as this year i mean that when when it was actually snowing, it was definitely cold. It was okay. colder, but like in general, that was not a cold winter. Yeah, just that, just that week or that mm -hmm. couple days when it was snowing. Well, we'll see. Okay. Yes, we'll we shall see. see. All right. So, how do people deal with uh, Li Chun the beginning of spring? Well, I did a little digging around, and I found that um, people uh, create these dishes, which are called Chun Pan, or mm -hmm. like spring plates. Uh, and basically, it is a plate where they take like five different, um, I, you call it alliums, mm -hmm. uh, and you put them on uh, the plate in a, in a beautiful kind of spread in a circular shape. I think so, because I remember my mom, I think, you know, when she went back to my grandma's house, they would have these kind of like food. They put it in a little piece of kind of like pita. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Wait, is it? And they wrap like, it up. It's not like a runbing, is it? It's kind of like a runbing jian. Kind of like yeah. a runbing. So th they actually, that's a spring dish as well. Chun jian. Spring roll, right? Yes. Oh, so I no think, see? It's all coming together. The penny drops. I am your muse. Oh, you are Remember? my Remember? <laughs> Things come together when I come in and record with you. This is true. That's true. She also gives me the most inspiration for this show of anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I can't say that you inspired this dish, though. I'm so Sorry. <laughs> All right. So you tell me, what so, dish is this? Basically, with the Chun Pan, they also call it the Wu Xing Pan. Mm -hmm. um, back in the Tang Dynasty, on the first day of spring, so Li Chun, that would be February 3rd this year, mm -hmm. people would eat the dish that has uh, Wu Xing. Okay. Wu Xing is kind of like five spicy or stimulating foods. Right. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that. I hope some people don't choose not to eat at all. That's right. right. Like pure, like true Buddhist, Buddhist vegetarians yeah. right. do not eat the wuxing. Because they're stimulants, right? Right. So okay. I feel bad if, if you are listening and you're a true Buddhist vegetarian because mm -hmm. we're going to suggest that actually eating those foods, while it may be overstimulating for the meditating mind, mm -hmm. 
they're actually restorative restorative and they the kind body. of get your body mm. reworking again mm-hmm. or like after hibernation right because during the winter period like chinese new year like in the old chinese ancient chinese especially in the northern parts like so cold people are like you know not really moving and then this is the time when they have to like start their engine start your engine start right. your like everyone that. Vroom, vroom. i have to say some of these these wuxin are my favorite food ingredients. Oh. Really? I mean, which ones? Okay, well, so there's, I mean, off the top of my head, there's onion, uh-huh. there's garlic. Yes. There's chili. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, chili, I don't think is, is one not, of them. Is chili not on it? I always thought it was, but it is not. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Over here, it's like garlic and then chives. So, jiu right. cai is Chinese chives. Right. Brassica rapa. Um, or rapini is called yu cai. cai. Oh, wow. That doesn't really have a strong taste. So, okay, so there's a lot of disagreement about what the wuxing involves. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so I've found a lot of different variations. And I think in ancient China, the, the five things that were considered the five xing, yeah. mm-hmm. um, we don't really necessarily have them anymore. Oh, really? So there are mm-hmm. modern variants on them. And in fact, um, we interviewed uh, a woman who's a vegan, and she told us that she didn't eat them because it disturbed her meditation. And we're really? Gonna, yeah, we're going to be playing a clip of that. You but mean... She, Today, I will be feeling disturbed all day. We're going to test it. Okay. You're be severely disturbed. Yes. All right. But the thing is, I don't know how we'll know, like, the difference between you eating it and, like, normal you. <laughs> Listeners, have you noticed a difference? No. <laughs> right so, in. you know, maybe we should do, like, a public announcement. If anything goes crazy and out of line, it is because of this stimulant that we ate today. I mean, I think we should eat it every week. Okay. Yeah. It's a good excuse, right? <laughs> right. So... I was able to put together a plate that includes five things. And there are five things that you would definitely know. Okay. Um, I can show you a picture of what it looked like before I actually made it. Okay. It's much prettier. I was going to say, are you going to show me before I ate it and after I ate it? I I can't show you after you (laughs) ate it. But you're going to have to look at that yourself, Ellen Chu. Okay. Um, but you can definitely, in presenting the dish, you can you can oh, make wow. a little beautiful flower shape yeah. with wow. an, a, a kind of a an array of different vegetables okay. spread out on a dish in a circular form. But you know, sometimes in the modern days, to make it look more colorful and pretty, they would put like carrot strands in there. Yeah, right. and I think you could also put chili peppers, okay. and right? Other okay. things like that. Uh-huh. But I uh, stuck with the recipe that I found. Okay. So uh, we're going to be going into the Feast Meets West test kitchen in just a moment. But first, another song that is related to waking up. Okay. I thought this is hilarious. <laughs> Why? Because? It's called Bei Xing. Okay. <laughs> Woken up by my handsomeness. Well, you know, <laughs> for the two gentlemen sitting in the studio, I don't know, maybe you had that moment, okay? But for me, I, I can't so imagine. Much. I can't okay. imagine, okay? So it's Sunday. That's it's right. It's by Sunday. It's by Sunday, spelled with an X, okay. strangely enough. Right. Uh, and when we come back in just a moment, we're heading into the Feast Meets West test kitchen. Tell 
帅的低调，但依然还是被注意到。我摔成这样也没办法，摔成这样我也不想，摔成这样的我有，我又被自己摔醒，怎么办？怎么Second course. All right, we're back now on the second course of Feast Meets West, and we are in the Feast Meets West test kitchen. And I am tasked with、uh, creating a spring plate or a chun pan.、Uh, it's also called a wu xing pan or five stimulating elements plate. Now, those <laughs> five stimulating elements or spices. Well, they're not really all spices. They're all alliums. Um, that means they come from the same group of veggies.、Uh, these include things like garlic, spring onions, also jiu cai or Chinese chives. We have tonghao, which are chrysanthemum greens, and jie cai, which are mustard greens. Now I'm just starting off by、uh, washing them thoroughly,、uh, and then I'm going to chop them into. Even length pieces, and I'm just cutting them in a length about similar to my finger.、Uh, in the end, we're going to spread this out. We're going to fan it out on a circular plate、uh, to make the beautiful spring plate. So now that、uh, I've prepared the veggies, I'm just going to parboil them. So I'm going to cook them quickly in some boiling water,、uh, and I've put a little bit of salt in this water to give it a little flavor. And I'm going to do them separately because each of these veggies take a different amount of time to cook. Now you want to just do it for a short period of time. You don't want to do it for too long because then the veggies will get soggy. You still want them to be kind of springy and a little bit crispy and brightly colored. So now that I've cooked all my veggies, I am just going to arrange them nicely on the plate in a circle. I have not cooked the garlic. The garlic is actually going to be used fresh, so I'm just、uh, going to bash it with the back of a knife. And then、uh, chop it finely. And the reason why we're not cooking the garlic is because we want to leave that spicy taste in there, so that it'll give the spring plate a bit of a kick. So I'm just sprinkling the garlic on top, and then we're gonna top off this plate、uh, by drizzling it with some dark sesame oil to give it a little bit of a umami taste, and then、uh, a little bit of soy sauce, some light soy sauce. Now we're not going to mix it up yet.、Uh, when we get into the studio in our third course, we're going to mix it up before we eat it,、uh, and it should be an invigorating, stimulating plate of spring veggies that will wake up our bodies at the beginning of the year. So there you have it—a spring plate or wu xing pan. When we come back in just a moment in our third course, we're going to be sampling it. But first, a song. The song is called "Hwanxing Meili De Shenghuo" or "Waking Up Our Beautiful Life," and it's by Tizzy Back. Much more to come when the feast continues.
消失在转瞬间，明天不一定会再见。唤醒美丽的活力，最好趁新鲜，不要继续苦丧着脸，展现出你的力与美。有时候头脑简单，反而是赞美。脆弱太常见，理性需要经过考验，唯有美丽的活力保证灵魂不灭。不要推延到星期天，不要只是光说不练。Get up, let's shake you, boom boom， 感觉多强烈。Sticks. You could eat, right? Yes, go ahead and eat. Oh, I love the smell. Okay, you're like Oliver from Oliver Twist. Like,、mm. please, sir. Can I have、yeah. some more? Can I have some, some more? more?、Mm. Wow. Does it have a bit of a kick? Yeah. I feel so stimulated. <laughs> That is the correct response.、Mm. You may stay and record more shows with us. It's like <laughs> garlic, that kind of bitter, sort of you know, uncooked garlic kind of、yes. tang.、Mm. I definitely didn't cook the garlic. That was left in there, raw,、really? so that、uh, that it gives you a nice kick. So no one do, no one can kiss anyone for the rest、mm-hmm. of the, today. I guess、no. that's not going to happen on our、no. show today. No. There's no other interviewers that come <laughs> in the studio. We're gonna have to evacuate the building. <laughs> can hear a garlic alarm go off.、Oh. Yeah, they installed those recently, didn't they? Yes, they、mm. did. They saw us coming. They saw <laughs> Ellen Chu coming in the door with a big bag of garlic. I、right、know.、There. This is yummy.、Mm. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I love it. 
I mean, this would be something like, you know, like a appetizer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not feeling like you want to eat anything, this really wakes up your palate. You know, it's interesting. There are a lot of foods that people will recommend for people that have like flagging appetites, mm-hmm. like for mm. people maybe who aren't feeling well or, right. or kind of are mm-hmm. trying to stimulate their appetite. I think this would actually be a great dish. I mean, of course, check with your doctor mm-hmm. and your yeah. nutritionist. But I think that this would be a great dish to get you salivating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get you interested get the, in eating. Get the juices flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your body warms up. I feel warm. From the head. Do you feel a little stimulated? Do you feel like, ooh? Really? Ooh. Yeah. Let's do yeah. Ten, 10 shows today, okay? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. I don't need that coffee later. <laughs> yeah, we don't need coffee today, see? I've got all this raw garlic. Right. <laughs> I have a spring plate. I don't mm. need coffee. Yeah. I'm just going to bring like one of those like little blenders and blend some garlic from now on. Give myself I, a kick in the morning. I think, you know, if I had this in college, it would be good. We can mm. pull all-nighters, right? Yeah. Well, well let's, let's play the clip from uh, Doris. Okay. Uh, remember, Doris joined our yes. show. And she was telling us um, how she's not only vegan, she's actually also Buddhist vegetarian, which means that she doesn't eat these... So five. she wouldn't touch these. She would not touch this dish with a 10-foot pole. Okay. So this, is, this is like the kind of the Buddhist vegan equivalent for like a, a normal vegan of sort of cheesy meat kind of I'm trying to think, like what's the most what's the most non-vegan dish you can think of uh like baby back ribs yeah <laughs> covered yeah. in butter yeah, butter and cheese yeah right all right so I'm gonna play this little clip um and this is from when she came on our show um a little clip that we saved because we knew that we were going to be um talking about alliums so I've actually been allium free for, oh, like 10 years now, I think. I started in my early 20s and it was because I have a meditation practice and our teacher is actually from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So like obviously in the States when I was vegetarian, I was like, you know, onion, garlic, whatever. And then I came to Taiwan for a summer and my mentor was like, hey, you should try doing allium free. And I was like, oh, why is that? And then, you know, the usual line is like it causes, you know, alliums cause like um, what do they call it? They call it uh, yu wang. So it causes lust, mm-hmm. it causes desire. Desires, whatever. I definitely feel that when I have garlic. <laughs> <laughs> it's an aphrodisiac, right? They're, they're called stimulants. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that, it's that bad breath. It just mm-hmm. turns me on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but you found that it, it's, it actually helps your meditation. Yeah. So, I mean, I found, I just tried it for a month just to do it. And then I accidentally had onion and like salsa once. And then when I did the meditation, I found that like, you know, your body is actually detoxing it. So like all the smell came out Ooh. and like it was harder to focus and so then at that point i was like oh it actually makes a difference oh wow wow. yeah oh wow Wow, indeed be careful that garlic but the thing is that you know one thing i all i still have a question because sometimes i talk to my friends who are like you know pure buddhist and they don't eat these Mm. aliens they include ginger really so they don't eat ginger either no that's kind of weird. Right. So maybe they're a different version. They're like ginger vegetarians. Okay. <laughs> ginger vegans. Ginger vegans. Okay. Yeah. Do either of you meditate? I meditate when I do yoga. I just fall asleep. <laughs> okay. So you're not clearly not overstimulated by the garlic. No. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've given it a go a few times, but not regularly. No. Mm, so you haven't, uh, I haven't had tried, the chance I, yeah. to test this out. I, I, yeah. I, I'd feel like I want to, uh, you know, really scientifically and give myself a good long period and then try both, you know, see how I feel. Can you do yeah. that and get back to us? I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll make it a project. Excellent. Okay. Great. Excellent. 
I don't think I have a problem. You know, these stimulants, you know, doesn't really <laughs> affect my meditation. You know, you have your da xiu xi, you know, the right. final meditating, like, you know, lying down, just rest and relax. Yes. I fall asleep like in two seconds. And my teacher is always like, wow, how do you do that? I have an answer for you. <laughs> What? You've got kids. I know. <laughs> yeah, you got two all, energetic kids. All my friends stimulants. That have kids, they are they're all my friends that have kids. They sleep very well. Right. Well, I have no problem yeah. with sleeping. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. That is a stimulating plate right. of foods that you can try at home, uh-huh. um, and maybe it will uh, bring you a little bit of stimulation for spring. Who knows? Right. So. Uh, we want to leave you with our addresses. Okay, so our address is PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. And coming next Saturday on our feast. It's going to be a surprise. I think it's going to be a fantastic show. I think it's not just fantastic. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't convinced by that, Sash. <laughs> I, I really can't wait. You you need more stimulants. I know. Okay? I'm not stimulated enough. Right. Yes. Okay. Give me more garlic. Cle- yes. Clearly our show is not stimulating enough for no, Sash. No, no, but no. whatever. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Good to have you here. Thanks for yes. joining us, Great Sash. to be here. And thanks to all our listeners for listening to us. Okay, and this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. Uh, we have one final song. Oh, we have one final song. And yes. this one is to wake everyone up, okay? It's called Wide Awake, and it's by Katy Perry. All right, see you next week. Bye. I'm wide awake. Yeah, I was in the dark. I was falling hard with an open heart. I'm wide awake. I did it read the stars so well. for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. 
check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.